2: When the temperatures drop and we get that winter feeling things, it really affects me more. That's when I get that aching in my bones. But I found that CBD and medicinal together can take care of the majority of my aches and pains. The ones that, you know, you have every day as you age, but also the ones that you get from all those activities that have taken care of business in the fall.
1: No kidding. I've been doing a lot of raking because we have so many old trees around our house that you rake one day and then two days later, the yard's filled up with leaves again, and that's why we're happy to have One CBD
2: as our sponsor. Go to onecbd.com. That's o n e cbd.com, or follow them on at onecbdlife on Twitter, and you can find out about all the aspects of what One CBD does to help you with your pain. One of the things that I like the most, Marcus, is that everything they purchase to be used in their CBD is 100% organically grown hemp, free from pesticides and fertilizers, and that's important. I also
1: like the fact that they're third-party lab tested and made in the USA. And they know how to take care of business when it comes to your pain. At 1CBD, O-N-E-C-B-D
2: achieve a renewed sense of balance. <laughs> Welcome to the Imbalanced History
1: of Rock and Roll. I'm Ray Kub. I'm Marcus in the Darkest. And we're ready to jump
2: into another episode here that we've had some fun talking about before we even got started on this episode of Five Favorite Singers of the 80s.
1: Yeah, throughout the uh, time we've been doing this podcast, many of the names that will be coming up in this five favorite list have been discussed either on air or in our own personal discussions. And it's really cool because this is a time when, Ray, you knew who you were and a time when I was learning who I was.
2: And you're part of that is why you wanted to make this an episode of 10 favorites because so much was coming into your life at that time, right?
1: Oh, absolutely. That's totally why I emailed you or messaged you and said, hey, can we do a 10 faves? I don't know if I can do five. But I do have it whittled down to five with quite a few honorable mentions. And I'm going to tell you this and you can could probably agree with this. If we were to redo this list of three months from now, six months from now, nine months from now.
2: Blind. If we did it blind.
1: Without looking back at it, each of these lists would be different every three months. But there would be one or two that would rotate in and out of there. (laughs) Yeah. But for the most part, that list would change with all of these names floating in and we out. We should
2: test that theory. In about three, four months, we should redo this one. as just because, I mean, it's imbalanced, man. We're the imbalanced totally. history of rock and roll. What the <laughs> fuck's <done? laughs> And as always, we are brought to you by one CBD. Check them out at onecbd.com. And by our friends at Crooked Eye Brewery right there in the heart of Hatboro. They got the good stuff. The cure for what ails you since 2014 at Crooked Eye. So, five favorites, 1980. 80s man fertile period for both of us as far as great music what we loved and what we were into but like you pointed out different periods in our lives well before we go too much further Marcus I know you've been in touch with Vegas what is the over under on how many of these we will have in common on this episode
1: the over under for this week five favorite singers point. 5. Oh, now we got to take a moment and think about what are our wagers
2: on that line 1.5. How many do you think we'll have in common? One. You know, I'm going to go zero because of the discussion. Because I was going to say one or two. And then we had the discussion we had about the different eras that we grew up in. And I thought, well, he needs 10. So that means we have twice as much of an opportunity to not agree. So I'm going to go zero. So let's see what happens here. On the Imbalance History of Rock (laughs) and Roll 5
1: Favorites. (laughs)
2: Stepping to the matters box.
1: All righty.
2: In the darkest...
1: You're up at number five. At number five, we are going to go to Birmingham, England. There was a movement, a branch of the rock and roll family tree. The second wave of ska was making a lot of noise in the U.K., and it was starting to float over to America. And this band, really, out of all of them, I think, touched me the most. And I'm talking about the English beat and Dave Wakeling being my number five. Their music I listened to throughout the 80s between English Beat and General Public. They put out five albums that I listen to regularly. So Dave Wakeling, my number five.
2: And again, the English beat being important to me, but much more important to you because of our age difference,
1: kind of, right? Definitely. And not only that, I think where we were in our lives and who we were in our lives at that time as well.
2: Flipping it around because when you start, I start with number five.
1: Yes. So, Ray, what is your number five?
2: He wasn't on the underground radio. He was on every radio. He didn't just, you know, create a trend or bring back a trend. He was a trend. He was born in the USA. He was Bruce Springsteen, my number five singer of the 80s. Number five could be higher, right? Well, I think when you see the other ones on my list, you'll understand why. Because when you look at Bruce's music in the 80s, he started with The River, took a left turn with Nebraska, and then went back to the biggest, mainest, streamiest kind of success you can have with Born in the USA, and then followed that with something different, without the E Street Band, a little Tunnel of Love. And then he kind of simmers down, as people do often after Mega Success, with Tunnel of Love in 1987. The Boss,
1: my number five favorite singer of the 80s. Pretty impressive. The Boss was fantastic in the 80s, but I could see you ranking him higher in the 70s versus the 80s just because of where you were at that time versus maybe where you were in the 80s. And with radio and things like that happening in your life, your musical tastes had expanded even more.
2: That happens with another artist later in this
1: episode of Five Favorites. Oh, that yeah.
2: means it's my number four, doesn't
1: it? Yes, it is. So what is your number four?
2: The centerpiece of the 80s for Freddie Mercury has to be those moments at Live Aid where he brought the whole world together with an amazing experience of music and solidarity to feed people basic concept that we all agree on. All of us agree on feeding people, right? We still all agree on that?
1: Oh, absolutely.
2: Along the way, the game hot space, the works, all kinds of music coming out, a kind of magic and the miracle, hit after hit, platinum and gold in every country, and the most amazing front man. I think the guy who takes the front and center fully as a person with no other instrument in his hand is a a very brave soul. And Freddie Mercury maybe the bravest of all those. An amazing performer, too. Freddie Mercury, my number four on this episode of Five Favorites on the Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll. What's your number four, buddy?
1: My number four is a two-headed monster the band got rid of one singer and brought in another singer both singers fantastic both singers great energy and both singers uh very different in style but they both achieved monstrous success with the same band and i'm talking about the two-headed monster of david lee roth and sammy hagar with van halen Women and Children First, Fair Warning, Diver Down, 1984, 5150, OU812, what an incredible set of five albums in a row. And those two singers made so many millions and millions of people happy and feel so fucking good with their music that you just can't deny their greatness and... That is why they are my number four. I never gave them up. I always listened to Van Halen, even when I was listening to more alternative and punk stuff. They were one band that always stayed steady with me.
2: I think that's true of most VH fans, We're a lot of VH fans anyway. That's great. So, man, we got some good stuff shaping up here on this episode.
1: Yeah, we do. And we can also tell already by where we are in the countdown and who we've chosen who we were and where we were in our lives at that time.
2: Is it really that revelatory? Oh, totally. (laughs) Okay,
1: so you did your number four. And now it's time for my number three. Oh, that's right. There you go. Marcus? I'm going to tell you about this band from California. Very quirky, very different, very alternative. In their contract as a band, they put together a dinosaur clause that said when they stop making good, creative, unique, original music together, then the band would break up. The guy, when this band broke up and their dinosaur clause expired and they stopped making the creative music, went on to Hollywood and made soundtracks for movies that you and I know and that so many people know and love dearly in TV shows and I'm talking about Danny Elfman and the Mystic Knights of Oingo Boingo my number three I listen to them all the time. They released most of their albums in the 80s. I saw them a couple of times. One time I saw them in the late 80s, the Red Hot Chili Peppers opened up for them at Red Rocks. And let me tell you, that show was insane. I also saw them in a small club in uh, St. Louis, and it was one of the most fun dance shows I have ever been to in my life. It was amazing. Danny Elfman, my number three.
2: I'm just sitting here slack-jawed. Because it's really great stuff, and I didn't see that one coming at all
1: (laughs) wait two more
2: well right here in the very middle of our little uh, countdown of five favorites it is time to pause for the cause that refreshes and head on down to hapro and see our friends at crooked eye i was talking to paul and pete man and they want to offer a special thank you to all of the listeners of the imbalanced history
1: of rock and roll what kind of special are you talking about everybody likes free beer marcus
2: how about a free 10-ouncer when you go in and mention the imbalance history of rock and roll when you sit down and order your first drink? Free 10-ouncer, yes. Some of the most amazing brews you're going to find at any Brewery in the Philadelphia area right there at York and Montgomery in the heart of Hatboro. We're talking about Crooked Eye Brewery. Pouring the cure for what
1: ails you since 2014. My favorite of all the crooked eye beers is the Black Eye Stout. I love. Oh yeah, you love that. that. Yes, you do. So smooth and just so full of flavor. Jeff manages to get more flavor, and the way he kind
2: of masks the edge on the hops is huh, oh, beautiful. And you can't beat. Going in, sitting down, saying, hey, I listened to The Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll. May I please have that free 10-ouncer?
1: <laughs> free beer. Why not stop in and get a growler, a pint, a crowler? Take some home with you. And don't forget, the
2: entertainment's back. It's coming back in stages. There's more and more stuff going on. And to find out what events are back and when they are, it's Crooked Eye Brewery on Facebook. Right in the heart of Hatboro, the cure for what ails you. And a free 10-ouncer when you mention the imbalanced history of rock and roll, and we thank them for their support. Hey, man, I got to talk to you about something. What? Um, I have a problem. What's that problem? I have to, I'm, I'm not getting any help for it yet, but I'm, I'm looking for a group to help support me in my ability to stop saying quote, unquote, Or quote end quote in regards to things I say on the podcast. I'm 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 Ray. I have a problem. I don't know what, and and I'm trying to quote unquote stop it. And I realize I don't have to do that. I can just say whatever the fuck it is we're trying to say or right? what, what we have to say, at, give it the proper attribution. And and so I'm going to endeavor to do uh, less of that as we uh, continue into, uh, well, almost just two years of doing this podcast. We're still, mm-hmm. believe it or not, we're still adjusting and moving forward. <laughs> like that prize fighter who gets hit in the face really hard, but still manages to return fire. That's us. Yeah. <laughs> Well, back to our episode. It is five favorites, five favorite singers of the 80s, and there are so many different genres by the 80s -hmm. to choose from. Not easy to nail it down. At number five, you picked Dave Wakeling from the English beat. I said Bruce Springsteen. For number four, you pulled a Marcus and got the double-headed monster of DLR and Sammy Hagar for Van Halen, and I put up Freddie Mercury. And your number three, oingo boingo out of left field, it's Danny Elfman, and I get why. I get why. My number three, different reason, but equally understandable. In Philadelphia, they refer to him as the Saint. Peter Gabriel and the music that he put out in the 80s speaks for itself with the third solo record melt followed by security and so those three albums spoke so loudly of what the music was in the 80s the good stuff not all the pablum and the pop stuff that always occupies a lot of space in music as we move forward, but the stuff that really meant something to The Rock Listener, those three albums, and the two before that, actually, you know, uh, both Car and Scratch all. Leading up to Peter Gabriel, uh, our episode on So kind of says a lot about that, too, Mm -hmm. being
1: my number three favorite singer of the 80s. I'm going to have to say after uh, listening to these first uh, three of each of us, you're going to probably win with zero correct. (laughs) And I think it's time. I think we should find out what your number two is, just to see if we are accurate and zero in common. as the
2: 80s began this ban was doa because of the singer's death bon scott's death made it look like lights out for acdc no future absolutely not what in comes a scotsman who was the perfect fit Brian johnson Not only does he come in and fill the spot for Back in Black, which becomes one of the biggest selling albums of all time, meant as a tribute to Bon Scott. He drives the bus through the 80s, through the 90s, into the 21st century, leaves because he's deafened himself to the point of losing his hearing, and then comes back with the new album when they say it's time to power up. By number two, Brian Johnson of ACDC.
1: Wow! You can't go wrong with them I think every kid in America Almost had Back in Black when it was released Even kids who don't like rock and roll That much like that album It's one of those albums That is really special It is uh, one of those albums That showed that a band can survive A big tragedy and move forward Zeppelin did not survive The loss of Bonzo I know it's different to lose a drummer Than it is a vocalist They voluntarily withdrew
2: But, you know, the real challenge for ACDC was that a lot of those songs for Back in Black were already formed or written when Brian came in. The real challenge moving forward for those about to rock and flick of the switch and fly on the wall. And some of these albums had mixed reviews, but all had success to one level or another, especially here in the U.S. through the 80s. And that's why I put Brian Johnson right where he belongs. Live, tough to top, man.
1: And your number two? My number two is Robert Smith of The Cure. Their album, 17 Seconds, Faith, Pornography, The Top, The Head on the Door, Kiss Me, Kiss Me, Kiss Me, and Disintegration I listen to all the time. Their first album, Three Imaginary Boys, came out in 79, which became uh, Boys Don't Cry in like 1980, which they released early, before they released 17 Seconds. And just there were songs on there that I I drew to i never felt the depression or the sadness but i love the beauty of the music there's an aesthetic beauty especially to some of that early uh, cure music that really just pulled me in and it was easy to listen to their music and just get lost in your daydreams and your thoughts
2: glad that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame finally got around to recognizing them for their contribution to an entire genre of music that has become a huge branch of the giant tree of rock and roll family. So they're great, and I, I love them. I didn't listen to them nearly as much as you did, but you know what I did that I really enjoyed? My connection to The Cure mainly was playing them on the radio. But I did the Saturday night dance party at the Troc in Chinatown. We would be there every Saturday night, and they had a lot of great remixes in that late 80s early 90s period uh, all as they became big, Fascination Street and all that stuff, we were able to play the mixes in the club and make it work with your ZZ Tops and your Billy Idols for a fun night. So They did something that no one else did which helped to define something that wasn't there before they came in and them and a handful of others really are the forefathers of the modern alternative movement. Absolutely.
1: Their influence on even bands like the Deftones is so profound and huge and there's so many bands that we've Listen to that have all mentioned The Cure as an influence on them. And I can totally see why. I, you mentioned the dance remixes. The Love Cats, Let's Go to Bed, were huge on the dance floor in the 80s when we would go to the alternative clubs and dance the night away along with the ministry before he got pissed off and started doing heroin like the uh, Every Day is Halloween dancey stuff. Joy Depeche Division, Mode, yeah. Joy Division, New Order, Bauhaus. Yeah. We used to play their cover of Ziggy Stardust. Yeah, that music all was so important in shaping al- alternative music and the Cure and Robert Smith especially. And every one of my mixtapes that I ever made for our friends in high school always had a Cure tune on it. Every single one of them. So that's my The
2: mixtape two. master here <laughs> on the advanced History of Rock and Roll. Now, drum roll to your number one, five favorite singer uh, of the 80s.
1: My number one started out making noise in the 70s. And his music is influenced by the mod scene in Britain As well as Motown and Stax Records His first band, A Power Trio, split up in 1982 When he felt that they couldn't go any further than they were Because they'd reached the top Then he changed directions and formed the Style Council With Mick Talbot of Dexy's Midnight Runners And I'm talking about Paul Weller of the Jam and the Style Council Somebody that I listen to even more more than I listened to The Cure back in those days with their album Cafe Blue, which was my ever-changing moods in the United States, our favorite shops, which was internationalists. And then he did The Cost of Loving and Confessions of a Pop Group as solo records with a lot of uh, EPs and other singles that he released with both the Style Council and his solo stuff. I listened to his music quite a bit as well through the uh, 80s and into the 90s. Paul Weller, my number one favorite vocalist of the 80s.
2: I can't believe that our number one isn't the same. Not that Paul Weller isn't a great singer and one of my favorite voices from that time period. But I thought, oh, we're going to have one in common because he has to pick Bono as his favorite singer of the 80s. It started in 1980 with Boy, and it peaked in the middle of the 80s. Start. You were at the show, the famous mm-hmm. show that became the live album at Red Rocks. It became the Unforgettable Fire and Joshua Tree, on to Rattle and Hump, and beyond. U2 continues to make a Amazing albums and amazing music and perform at a level that means that they still have a long way to go as long as we get through the COVID-19 pandemic oh, yeah and that's why Bono is my number one singer of the 80s Everywhere in the 80s and still, you know, but it was the kind of thing where you just felt right when you're listening to one of their songs Mm -hmm. from that period of time, it always give you a little lift in the day. Even some of the the more mellow stuff like Bad was just Mm -hmm. a great energy song. Oh, yeah. Things from Wide Awake in America. And all I know is that their music means a lot to both of us. Oh, absolutely. And As I'm looking at the bands here, and there are other bands that certainly we should talk about them real quick here before we run out of time on this. this We don't run out of
1: time, and we actually have quite a bit of... Uh, time behind us now to talk about some of these other musicians and vocalists that we did not put in our top five that could easily be in our top five. You mentioned Bono as your number one. I kept flipping him and Danny Elfman and David Wakeling around the whole time, and Uh that's part of why I asked for 10. I asked for 10 because of Getty (laughs) Lee, because of Joe Elliott, because of... Joe Elliott's on my list, too. Chrissy Hine, Peter Gabriel was right there, just out of there. Bono Vox, Ian Asbury. I mean, we talked about some of these Musicians like Sade, I listened to a fuck ton of in the eighties. Yeah, and, but you know we could play she, a game of yeah. like Sesame
2: Street. One yeah. of these things is not like the other, and yes. you don't have to look for it to say Sade.
3: Your love is king. crowd.
1: Joe Strummer and Mick Jones were right there. Tom Petty was right there because of how much I listened to Tom Petty in the 80s. Michael Stipe of R.E.M. From about 83 on, I listened to a lot of their music. Natalie Merchant and 10,000 Maniacs made a big impact on me. You know, we had the alarm, big country. I'm going to go, you know, out there and say that I listened to a lot of Whitney Houston. So... Wait
2: a minute, wait a minute. It's, it's the Real of Police. Wee. There
1: you go. <laughs> but also like David Byrne, between the Talking Heads and his solo work, put out ah, some you know, brilliant stuff. Thurston Moore and Kim Gordon, the duo from Sonic Youth. Robert Plant, after Zeppelin broke up, well, that's did one some of amazing stuff, too. So That's one
2: of mine, too. And somebody that you haven't brought up yet that is a big part of the 80s early on, and certainly at the end of the 80s, I'm talking about Steven Tyler. Right. Yes. Uh, you mentioned Joe Elliott. Plan as a solo artist did amazing things, despite the fact that it was completely different from Zeppelin. Had a different feel most of it. Pat Benatar. Mm-hmm. Uh, artist as well. Really one of the great rock singers of the 1980s and right in there with all the other people we've been discussing. And he would have been a top five for me in the 70s, but David Bowie continues strong in the 80s as an honorable mention, as we call him when we do these top five favorite things. A lot of great music and uh, always fun to share it all with you here on the podcast.
1: It's always great. We had Metallica gathering their steam in in the 80s. You had uh, Bruce Dickinson and Iron Maiden in the 80s. You had so many, I mean, this is really a hard top sure. five.
2: Well, I think we need to subgenre this shit out, man. I think we could really have a lot of fun doing Soul Singers of the 80s, and both of us are huge Shardé mm. fans, so she could be in there and, and different things like that or, yeah. and do an alternative list yeah. and, a and metal do this meta list and do all that. There's a lot of that kind of fun that we can have with Five Favorites. That's why I keep saying we need to start a second podcast that's just Five Favorites. We would have so
1: much fun doing that one. That I, would I'm, be. Just, just, no, we would. And just Five Favorite Life. Yeah. Yeah, all kinds. I mean, of, I'm sure most uh, of it would be, yeah, but I'm sure most of it would be music, just because that Part seems to be at the uh, top of our love list as far as uh, those go.
2: Marcus, I got to tell you, we're heading into the holiday season here, uh, with Thanksgiving coming up in the U.S. and uh, a lot of a lot of people are talking about interactions at the holidays. Our situation in the United States, especially when it comes to the COVID-19 pandemic, is we are at epidemic proportions here. We are at, 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 at emergency proportions of infections and hospitalizations and are in danger of overwhelming the healthcare system. A lot of people are talking about getting together for Thanksgiving in large groups and I think it's a bad idea and I hate to be a downer at the holidays but folks if you want Nana to be here in the new year I would say try not to expose her to COVID at the holidays. Okay? I'm serious about this. We have so much fun on this podcast, and this episode's a perfect example. But I'm not fucking joking. There's nothing fake about it. I've seen too many people who are dying in their last words, Marcus, have been that it's not real. This, How can this be happening to me? Because they don't understand. They won't let their brain understand that this thing is real, and it's killing people every day. Mm-hmm. We're having the equivalent of a 9-11 every other day day in america and we have to pull together beyond any other divisions you think that exist out there folks no matter what your beliefs are about politics and personal uh, choices think of the person next to you especially an elderly relative or somebody in your family who's got a comorbidity they don't stand a chance against this thing and i I hate to get on a goddamn soapbox here on a podcast that's more about fun and rock and roll but i'm sick and tired of people fucking ignoring this thing put your mask on wash your damn hands keep the mask open over your fucking nose and let's all have a happy Christmas. So we can
1: have many more together with our families. <laughs>
2: that's, right, that's right. That's why I'm pissed off. I don't want to lose any more people. I've lost more again this week.
1: Just to put it into perspective for some of the people out there, we both work in radio that's live radio so we get live phone calls in real time and we get stories from people who have suffered greatly from the pandemic and due to the fact that like bars aren't open, we've become the new bartender for people to call and, you know, reach it's out to, back to that. and it used talk to. Be to. That it way. was that and way in the 80s is. and the 90s yes. when I first yes. got into radio. We were like bartenders. We were psychologists for people who would call up and talk to us and confess their whole life story to us. And because we're there live and local, people are reaching out to us in that way as a warm voice to talk to. It's really heartbreaking to hear some of the stories that we have to hear. And so please. And the stories from, of
2: loneliness, the yeah,
1: stories of we, difficulty. ...in the neighborhood. And just continue to talk about it.
2: And uh, in the U.S., have a happy Thanksgiving. And as you get into the holiday season, we wish nothing but the best for you. We're going to keep doing what we do, and uh, we've got a couple different things planned over the next few weeks that we hope you'll enjoy. So thanks for listening every week here. You
1: ready to go? I am ready to go. And if you have any uh, questions, if you want to share your five favorite 80s rock singers, please shoot us an email, at gmail.com or when we post on on Facebook, Twitter, any of those uh, websites, The Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll, please share your five favorite rock singers of the 80s as we have shared ours, and we would love to know who yours are. Till the next time we do it to it, I'm Ray Coob. I'm Marcus in the Darkest. And this is The Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll.